on the studio speaker before we start feeding back. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here on this Tuesday night. It's 6.57 p.m. on June 7th, 2022, and we have a great show. I believe that we have a great show. We have a great guest, a first-time guest. We're going to be talking about something that's always relevant and always worthy of expanding, expanding the conversation. You know, we, we throw around words like propaganda uh, very, very loosely, I think. I think, uh, I don't think that we are out of touch with what we're, what we're inferring. And, but as far as how deep and how multifaceted propaganda as an operation is. And, and the other thing is, when we'll get off the, the phone with our guest tonight, Danny Katz, author, researcher, educator in her own right. Um, I want to revisit an old beaver post concerning propaganda, too, because it's not necessarily, you know, propaganda. It, it's got a very negative, negative um, reputation. But propaganda in itself doesn't have to mean damaging. We'll talk about that afterwards, because, of course, when we speak with Danny Katz, we are going to probably we're going to be focusing in on how society is being damaged, how people's ability to manifest uh, reality and, and better lives is being taken away from them as, uh, as the information they're being fed is, is just, it, it's completely self-destructive. And that's what we're getting into, the emotional manipulation of modern day propaganda that we're living through and, and the effects of that and more, more. She created this wonderful book that, this is how I found her, it was given to me as a Christmas gift, Pop Propaganda, an illustrated guide. And it's actually illustrated and written by Danny. And I'm gonna go through that a little bit right after we go to our intro. But for now, I wanna welcome you aboard for a Tuesday night excursion together. And uh, I wanna thank my sponsor, SecretNatureCBD.com. You can smoke some SecretNatureCBD.com or you can drop some tincture into your mouth and just chill out and get ready for the rest of the evening. That's exactly how good it is. But I'll tell you, as if you need to be told, full spectrum CBD does not mean that you are just checking out for the night and that's it. You're stoned, you are couch locked, no. High CBD, low THC means you get all of the benefits of, of, the, of the plant without being title locked to the couch. You can, you, you're, you're not inebriated at all. I know many people many people now who actually use this to be able to maintain their sobriety 
but at the same time expand their medicine chest and just have different health products that they want to go to to uh, give their nervous system a nice little vacation and relax and focus and uh, enjoy life a little bit more. So, ladies and gents, go to SecretNatureCBD.com. Use your promo code FRANKLY for 20% off of everything you buy. And I promise you, you'll have a good time because everybody seems to be having a good time. All right. Okay. We've got some great, great guests coming up. I told you about them last night. I have another one to tell you. In July, I have not, I have, we have not hammered down the date, but it's, I think it's going to be the second week in July. I have got a confirmation from Leo Zagami that he's going to be coming on the show. Who's Leo Zagami? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that as time goes on. But Leo Zagami knows the Illuminati firsthand. He's got a very interesting past, very interesting family line, and he loves talking on on uh, subjects of Illuminati, psychological operations, occult operations, the infiltration and uh, the infiltration and destruction of the Vatican, what they're doing now, New World Order. It's that's going to be a great night. So you can go check him out if you haven't already. LeoZagami.com. But we'll be talking about him. Uh, in the coming weeks so that you are up to date. More, more on the way, I promise you. Okay, on to our grab bag. On to our grab bag. The first headline I have for you is from the Associated Press. Headline, U.S. woman pleads guilty to leading Islamic State Battalion. I am not surprised at all that a so-called American woman would be the battalion leader. I am not surprised at all. An American woman who prosecutors say led an all-female battalion of Islamic State militants in Syria pleaded guilty on Tuesday in a case that a prosecutor called a first-of-its-kind in the United States. Allison Fluke Ekran broke down sobbing after admitting in federal court, and of course she did. In Alexandria, Virginia, to conspiring to provide material support for a foreign terrorist organization. But, you know, well, let's be honest. So did the United States government. So it's actually kind of unfair that Allison is going down and, uh, and not the McCain's. Anywho. Uh, to provide material support for a foreign terrorist organization, a charge that carries a maximum 20-year prison sentence. The guilty plea resolves a criminal case that came to light in January after Fluke Ekron, 42 years old, who once lived in Kansas, was brought to the U.S. to face accusations that she led an Islamic State unit of women and young girls in the Syrian city of Raqqa and trained them in the use of automatic rifles, grenades, and suicide belts. From Kansas to Syria, it's an all-American tale. Oh, that's old water. I forgot to put new water in that mug. Anyway, here's a little something I thought was interesting. From Oddity Central. Golden boy, man walks around daily with several kilos of gold jewelry on his body. A Vietnamese food food stall owner has become known for his fascination with gold jewelry. Every day, he walks around Ho Chi Minh City with up to five kilograms of gold on his body. 34-year-old Do Ngoc Thuan, a.k.a. Seven Ball, 
has has a fascinating he must be some kind of a drug kingpin or something that people are leaving him alone i'll tell you you walk around w with several i don't care how many years he's been doing this getting attention there before i was i was not popular online i wore a lot of gold every time i stopped to wait yeah tr try to sell your food in the bronx go ahead with five kilos of gold on I, I, I wouldn't have expected that to be safe to do that in Vietnam. Maybe Vietnam is not the place I have in my imagination. I'm sorry. I'm an ignorant American. But, um, but yeah, d d don't do that in America. You can't do that in America. Not in American cities. Um, here's funny. Here's something funny. Photos of a lion with straight bangs leave millions scratching their heads. I don't know how, how many millions have been scratching their heads over this, but I sure have been since I saw it. Photos of a male of a male lion at a Chinese zoo. Well, it kind of looks like he has Chinese hair. That's like what the average Chinese man has for hair. So maybe he just has a stylist, a Chinese stylist. Sporting baby bangs went viral online, leaving many wondering how the staff managed to pull off the haircut. Oh, see, the staff did do it. Oh, they claim they didn't. No, I don't believe that. The lion's mane is the most recognizable feature on the species, even though its size and color may vary by its factors, both genetic and environmental. We can say that it almost never has this tidy salon look. Yeah, it kind of looks like, this tiger kind of looks like the, uh, the guy who hangs out in the pit of despair in Princess Bride. The pit of despair. You know what I mean? Hold on. Who's he? No! Oh, Oh, go! Uh, that's scary. <laughs> I have that on hand to scare you. And I hit it by accident. I scared me. So, uh, hold on. Pit of Despair. Princess Bride. Here he is. Uh, well, his, his bangs aren't exactly that clean. Not as clean as I thought. Kind of looks like the lion. No? Where's that? There's the, there's the lion. Pit of despair. Pit of the, maybe. Almost. We're almost there. Well, I tried. I just saw something different in my head, I guess. Anyway, here's another one I got for you. What a time is it? 7.05. We're making good time. I got two more. Headline from Zero Hedge, Spanish court orders Mike Pompeo to testify on CIA plot to either kill or kidnap Julian Assange. In a surprising development surrounding WikiLeaks and the fate of Julian Assange, who is still in London's Belmarsh prison, awaiting a decision from UK Home Security, Priti Patel, Priti, Priti Patel, on extradition to the U.S., a Spanish court has summoned former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to testify on whether the CIA planned to assassinate WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Pompeo was head of the agency during the time, period of time that bombshell Yahoo News investigative report last year revealed that the CIA allegedly plotted to kidnap or even kill Assange following the Washington outrage that WikiLeaks made public. The batch of documents exposing the agency's ultra-secretive hacking tools known as Vault 7, which of course completely debunk every and, and put a huge shadow of doubt a shadow of reasonable doubt on every single official United States accusation of cybercrime. Because of Vault 7. 
there is a gigantic and unavoidable cloud of reasonable doubt. But still, they still they keep pointing fingers and and uh, going right ahead. We'll talk a little bit about this later. What do you think? You think Pompeo is going to answer for anything? You think the CIA is going to tip its hand or whatever? I don't know. But there is something I do have for you right now that's very important and pretty breaking. And this is something that you're going to get absolutely nowhere else but this show. Now, Frank and Jim Zeller on InTheZeller.com published this today and alerted me to it. It's a new update on the Utah case situation of ritual abuse out there that really not very many people are talking about still. Here's an editor's note. Any mention of rumors or allegations about individuals are just that. They are just rumors and allegations until proven true. The boys in the Zeller have acquired an official source close to the case. This is how you do it. They hit the phones, they hit the ground, and uh, they go after it. The source has confirmed several aspects of the case while shedding light on different areas. Regarding Sheriff Mike Smith, he is well-respected in the community, and this is not a political hit piece. Regarding County Attorney David Levette, here is a quote. By having that press conference and mentioning himself, his wife, and cannibalism, he violated every law protocol. The source has also stated, quote, that holding said press conference, Levette contaminated the case and diminished any further witnesses that may come forward. This has to be his intent, otherwise it made no sense, end quote. The source continued speaking about Levette, saying, quote, there were rumors concer- circulating about Levette concerning parties and kids over the years. Remember, these are quotes you're not going to get anywhere else. At least for now, until somebody else finds the same sources that the Zells do. Um, Regarding the media covering of Utah County, here's a quote. They are scared. They are chilled to go after him. I don't know why. The media has heard the same rumors, end quote. Regarding the report, quote, cannibalism and murder were mentioned in the report, which is 151 pages in length, end quote. Regarding other rumors, quote, there are rumors and stories regarding Levette, that's the county attorney, they are beyond Utah County. They are about overseas. There are rumors about Ukraine, human trafficking, and brothels in New York City, end quote. Regarding the Utah County commissioners, quote, Levette owns a lot of people in this community, including the county commissioners. As a matter of fact, as we spoke, Levitt is meeting with commissioners to have Sheriff Mike Smith removed for malfeasance, end quote. The source said, quote, the child sex abuse case that Sheriff Mike Smith is investigating has legs, end quote. The source has agreed to stay in contact with the bits. The bits will continue to update the blog with information on the Utah case as it comes in. You can find that these updates on inthezeller.com. We will, of course, be reading those onto the record here on Quite Frankly. And Frank and Jim Zell are going to be calling into the show on Thursday night. I think Rob will be here with Rob in studio. Uh, the, fr- the Zells will be joining us. We'll go through this very post again from start to finish, and they can interject and expand on things along the way and uh, talk big picture. So that'll be part of Thursday's show. Just wanted to let you know that is a Utah County case update in the Zeller.com. The, um, the link for their website, their blog, is on quitefrankly.tv's affiliate page. So go and check it out. We'll be right back. 
Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for the time and your patronage. It's going to be a good show. Don't go anywhere. Excuse me, are you a banana? No. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Ladies and gents, um, from what I hear, the stream is not live on QuiteFrankly.tv. I do not know why. I did everything right. So I put in a, uh, a, a troubleshooting text to the CEO, the man himself, Matthew, Matt1776. So hopefully I get a little bit of understanding as to what's going on over there. In the meantime, hopefully everybody has found themselves an alter alternate way to watch the show, either live on Twitch or Rumble, YouTube, DLive, Rockfin, Theta. But if you're listening to this on demand, it doesn't, ma it doesn't matter much to you, does it? And thank you for being here. So, give this episode a thumbs up, share with everybody you know, and send those super chats in to quitefranklysuperchat.com. I'd love to read them into the record later on. Okay, so, I wanted to first say, I know that uh, everybody is very concerned about why my daughter, Aurora, would ever go as far as denying that she is a banana or a chicken McNugget when it's clear that she is both of those things and she says no but there was something that happened just after I left for the studio that stunned even her it stunned even Aurora Lauren sent this to me and I, I need you guys to see it. It, it it apparently she has now turned into broccoli and this has given her some pause it seems here it is and broccoli? your broccoli? That's so funny. Mommy, you're yeah. broccoli. You're broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> she's not, she's, this is, this even left her stunned. So, um, she, she loves broccoli. I'm very happy. She loves broccoli and blueberries, two superfoods. She loves them. Hopefully she continues to love them. 
So that's good. Now we'll, I'll have to figure out how to live with a uh, piece of broccoli for a daughter now. But I'll, I'll do anything for her. So I'll figure something out along the way. Welcome to the show. We always talk about language, propaganda wars, spell casting. They're very integral parts of the topics that we cover here when we do social commentary on, quite frankly. And on that level, tonight's guest is just perfect, perfect for that chat. Now, I was sent Danny Katz's book, Pop Propaganda, as a Christmas gift, as I said before. And this is just a great book. It's very thin, very well put together. I love the stick figure uh, um, illustrations. And if you want to give a child something for a Christmas gift, especially if they're getting ready to go off to college, okay, and they need some sort of I, some sort of hedge against what's going to be thrown at them, or you know, just coffee table reading, whatever the hell it is. This is so great for preparing people mentally for the battlefield that is the modern media space or modern education, whatever the hell it is, because it goes into very specific um, techniques. I'm going to read you some of these from the table of contents. It goes. It starts from with groupthink, half truths and lies, fear the trusted leader, the ad hominem attack, repetition, how repetition works, you know, um, that one, I, and, I, and, I, and such amazing illustrations to go along with it. For example, the repetition line, lab leak, lab leak, lab leak, lab leak. That's the one we got over there. What else we got? Reductivism, re, re, reductivism. Now I usually go to the reductio ad absurdum Emotional appeal, mind control, egregious associations, beautiful people. That's a really interesting one there, too, because these are things that people don't understand. Why first ladies are so strategically picked. For example, beautiful people. Beautiful people are the backbone of modern propaganda. They can be rich, famous, genetically blessed, surgically enhanced, or photoshopped. Just so. Their souls can be wretchedly ugly. But when it comes to external appearance or luxury lifestyles, culture deems them beautiful. Proximity to the beautiful person garners special social, social status as well. The propagandists bank on this and thus utilize beautiful people to sell us whatever they're shilling. The social engineer's beautiful person is a key component in what the, the Celtic mystics called casting the glamour, wherein the public is enchanted or into hypnotic or into a hypnotic state and thus high suggestible trance when uh, presented with the shiny sparkly allure of beauty, style, wealth, and opulence. So you are getting history, you are getting a little bit of a, uh, a look into the occult. It's, it's just really wonderful stuff. There's another one here I want to bring up. Another one I want to bring up is, of course, divide and rule. See. You have, you have yourself a, a teacher there with all of her pupils. And on the chalkboard, white privilege and toxic masculinity. Oh, don't we know a lot about that. It's wonderful. She knows what time of day it is. Divide and rule, also known as divide and conquer. This strategy aims to counter the fact that a unified populace is impossible to control. And so it is that the social engineers go to the distance to keep the collective polarized and fighting amongst themselves while blaming each other for the ills for which the ruling class whom the propagandists serve, is actually responsible. 
Duly divided, the people are easy to manipulate and control. To this end, identity politics is an extremely useful strategy as it pits various identitarian groups against one another, using incendiary talk of privilege, victimhood to polarize the people and distract them from inf- uh, with infighting while the rulers occupy themselves with the task of making the world worse. The two-party system is a prime example of divide and rule in full effect. The, um, uh, to no one's benefit, save the puppet masters who, whose surprise, surprise, actually control both parties. It goes on and on and on. False dichotomies, bad actors, stereotyping, crisis actor. Um, it's a great, it's a great, great book. So um, from what I know about her work, it's very, uh, very centered about language and communication, more specifically the creative and destructive power of words. So just read you a few pages. You can go to dannycats.com. The link is in the description and it will be on the screen for you all to see so uh that's what we're going to be doing we're waiting for her to show up anytime now and then we will go on and and do that after the afterwards in the second half of the show man i have a lot i want to go to a beaver post that i think is going to open up some conversation i have some emails that have come in from last night's show which were very it's a very provocative show last night um I, I know what kind of conversations we have, and I know that they're always going to be, they're always going to be, you know, walking on the borderline of something offensive. So I always try to ease my way into it. Sometimes there's just not a way to ease in. And last night we had to just jump in. We did a lot of what is a woman, and then we got uh, some really emotional calls afterwards. And let me tell you, the emails that I got, especially when it comes to the the psychological operation that is being run on children when it comes to gender. I cannot believe how many people in this audience are going through that very same situation with children in their house. How many people it's affecting. And when you look at the statistics that uh, that are being reported on with what children in classrooms are reporting now, it's, you have to imagine it's everywhere. So I could not believe what we had come back to us last night, but uh, that's all part of propaganda. It's all part of the dividing. It's all part of uh, getting into uh, identitarian politics and warfare so that nobody's actually really commenting on what can actually lead to a more fulfilling and fully expressed human life. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, we're going to going to call up Danny Katz and see how she's feeling tonight. Hey, Danny, welcome to the show. Hi, Frank. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on. I've been waiting for a while here. I don't know if you know this, but um, I was introduced to your work by the chocolate magician himself, Justin Polgar. You know that? I heard a rumor about this. Yes. Well, I didn't know that you guys actually knew each other personally. Then I saw him actually pop up in your bio. He's a pretty psychedelic dude. Did you guys meet at an ayahuasca retreat or something like that? (laughs) Did he tell you? Because we actually did meet at an ayahuasca retreat Are like st- 15 years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> See, you want to talk about learning about somebody. That was a complete shot in the dark. <laughs> Psychic mind meld. And I'm going to take credit for putting you on his radar <laughs> last oh, year. Oh, wonderful. Oh, so this or is a couple the- years ago, maybe. Tremendous, then. 
So this is a this is a wonderful symbiotic circle here, and uh, wow. Well, it's it's great to have you on because reading this book was so great. I've already recommended it to several people, and hopefully more people get it on their coffee tables soon. And as I said before, it's I would give this to any child that is looking to go to college, and they need to really shore up their defenses, their mental defenses before they go out there, because this everything you're talking about here seems like it's just a fun house. This is what is done in college, and then, of course, the larger media landscape. Wow. Where, where did, when did you come up with the idea for this particular book? So I was teaching um, homeschool, high school class about propaganda and critical thinking, and I was frustrated because there wasn't a textbook that I could use. I was using the Bernays book, but it wasn't really appropriate for them. So I started writing it while I was teaching the class, and then as soon as the class was finished, I just busted it out. Well, it, it come out. It came out great, and I also have to commend you on the illustration because it's very easy to do stick figures bad, but you do. <laughs> but the stick figures are so great; it be it would be very hard to draw these stick figures. I would not be able to reproduce them myself. But they're so appropriate and well thought out. Um, when I was looking through your bio, I was looking at all the things that you you have done that you are doing now, and I saw that you were a lead writer and researcher on. The, uh, the Mickey Willis documentary, Plandemic 2, Indoctrination. Yes. And I know Mickey Willis from before the Plandemic series, and this was something that was very interesting to me. In knowing him back then, I knew that he must have gone through some major personal transformations to do these videos because he was as progressive Democrat. He was on the, he was on the campaign trail with Bernie Sanders at one point, and he has completely gone turned around and uh and 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 seen where the real um the real enemy is is lying the enemy of humanity not a party uh sense a party switch or anything like that uh you have a very new agey feel to you as well so i'm wondering have you been walking a similar path as as mickey where did you start off how'd you get here um, so uh, my path is similar to Mickey, only in that we were sort of cohorts in a spiritual community in Los Angeles. That being said, you know, I've been a journalist my whole adult life. I was a libertarian, you know, as, as soon as I understood that there was this, you know, that they were putting in God we trust on the money when there was supposed to be a separation of church and state. So I never drank the liberal Kool-Aid myself, and I was always in you know, back then what were called conspiracy realms, you know, since probably around 9-11. Um, and because Nikki and I were friends, um, after Trump got elected and people were posting like weird, angry, bigoted stuff, we started to notice that we were echoing similar sentiments. And so, you know, we're having kind of behind the scenes conversations. Um, and then he did wake up through through his time on the road with Bernie, through his time um, filming what was happening with the Dakota Pipeline. Um, and I would say that I've been in this conversation for quite a long time. Okay, I, so, I'm seeing that here, and I know that your homeschool, you've been building a homeschool curriculum. I read that as well, and you just, you just talked about it before, that there wasn't enough material that had been published about propaganda that you could use in your curriculum there. So obviously you're a proponent of homeschooling and breaking away from federal education. What do you dislike the most about modern education? And then I'd love to hear more about the, what's inside your curriculum. Um, 
I mean, I think what I dislike most is that they're more like indoctrination camps than honest schools or education. They're not teaching kids how to think, rather what to think. Um, when I'm teaching my students, I'm always encouraging them to question me, to push back, to come to their own conclusions. Um, but I think right now the most important thing is teaching students media literacy and teaching them how to do their own due diligence because they can't rely on the media anymore. You know, when you and I kids, when you and I were kids, we probably could at least a little bit. But these days, you know, I, I don't think we can really put much faith into our mainstream media. So I think it's really important for students to learn how to think for themselves, learn how to discern truth from fiction, learn how to do research. That's what's, and then, I mean, of course, like the force injections and medical procedures is just utterly ridiculous. So I'm really not on board with that. So a little bit more on, uh, uh, you, you teach them things like non-aggression principle and, and, and other very classic libertarian themes? No, I'm specifically teaching them um, how language creates reality, how propaganda is working against them, how basically like how the powers that were don't have their best interests in mind and how it's really important for them to empower themselves and know themselves as sovereign so that they can't be controlled or manipula manipulated by um, these external forces that are vying for our enslavement. Now, you know, last night we were talking a lot about, we were talking a lot about the, uh, the, the, the gender dysphoria propaganda and, and that, that whole, that whole thing there too. That, that is something that's very, um, I think it's a, it's become almost like a linchpin in younger generations to be on the right side of history of gender revolution theory and all that stuff. Meanwhile, anybody that really looks at this, they, they understand it, it's those powers that were that are pushing this and they have been and the, these these gigantic mega transnational corporations are sponsoring it and pushing and pushing. How, do, how, how have you found that that children in that high school age range are are able to, you know, um, tackle a situation like that to identify who major propagandists are and how it actually really comes into uh, into conflict with very popular popular movements inside of their generation uh, is it is it giving them a little bit more pause or is there some kind of uh, I don't know cognitive dissonance there well the students that I'm teaching are being homeschooled right so already their parents are not buying in to a lot of the mainstream narratives and the beauty of teaching teens is that their brains are so malleable so when i have come up against pushback from some of the students that you know think it's cool it's kind of the thing to believe in i just poke at them in these gentle ways and offer kind of alternative ways of thinking around you know protected classes and freedom and are these things really appropriate for such young children and it's interesting to see like how quickly they will come around and, and realize like, no, actually this isn't appropriate for these young children. And once they clue into the tactics being used to manipulate them, then they really quickly relinquish them. So that's been beautiful because I'm not pushing anything on my students. You know, if they believe these things passionately and authentically, then I support them in that. But it's been interesting to see that 
the couple that I've had that have been on board with some of these more damaging, demoralizing narratives, once they understand the tactics, they kind of let them go. And they're like, oh, I get it. Are, are you more so like a one-on-one? -on -one, uh, what's the largest group of, of uh, students that you would that you would work with at a time? Because I also believe, as we've sp spoken about in the past, whether we're talking about uh, grade school children, whether we're talking about college, which we're, whether we're talking about people in their, uh, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, when you take them out of a group setting and you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, you can make unbelievable progress in places that would otherwise be very uncomfortable for them. But group settings can sometimes uh, put, help them put their guard up, reinforce what they already believe because they don't want to be, I don't know, they don't want to be defeated uh, if it's supposedly something that that they're supposed to champion. So what, what have you found? Is there any difference between working with children one-on-one -on -one or group settings? And how big are those groups? So I found, you know, I work with children from like, I, I think one of my biggest class was 13 and my smallest class was seven. And seven was really ideal because they all developed a bond with one another. And I open every class up for them to have, you know, conversation and discussion issues that are really you know prominent for them because a lot of my classes are happening during the lockdown and they're dealing with the same sort of shaming and defriending and demonization yeah. that we adults are and it's really heartbreaking so it was really beautiful for them to have one another and to see them work things out with each other's support so ideally i like working with eight or less um, just because it just creates a, a lot of trust and safety among the students to be able to share vulnerably. And I feel like that's really important for what they are going through right now and how isolated they are. Yeah, 100%. I mean, even years before any of this lockdown, so when I was still in school, we, we would always talk about how um, – how the better experiences we ever had in class ourselves was when it was a smaller, slimmed down class, and it was more so of a, you know, this this it, the the teachers they brought on a brought out a little bit more of a Socratic method way of teaching. It, it almost feel like feels like you're hanging out, but after 45 minutes, you leave the classroom, you go to the next period, and you actually kept what you took away something like that. I mean, you you remember conversations you have with friends sometimes for a lifetime. And um, I think that's what's just so um, missing from this, another, I guess, from a, a methodology standpoint, it's so didactic that uh, nothing is retained because nothing is really gained. But, um, okay, so that's wonderful. Now the curriculum, it's mostly, you use a term or a couple of different related terms in your bio, quantum languaging, languaging hacks, those are some of the terms that I see you mention a lot. I would love for you to explain that a little bit to me in the audience because I, I, can, I can probably infer what it's, what it's all about, but I just want to hear you say it. Okay. <laughs> so um, I have a very multidimensional relationship with words. And so I teach people how language creates reality and how to use language to transform reality. So I call this paradigm of communication quantum languaging, wherein we're utilizing words not just in terms of intellectual connotation, but we're also using them in terms of how their frequencies are programming our psyche, our emotional bodies, our energetic bodies, our physical bodies, and our collective reality construct at large. Now, that's, that's something that we talk about a lot here. And I think that when we talk about propaganda, 
always say that it's it's the media that actually takes an ignorant group of people who never have these conversations, never have these uh, these opportunities to sit down with educators like yourself to learn about what we really are as far as a broadcast unit what we are individually as broadcast units to to attract certain things and to project certain things out into the cosmos and if we if we go through life just thinking that everything's on autopilot and whatever happens to us is either by chance or something out of our control then um then the people who understand that it is not that way those who control the talk boxes and that control the internet they can harvest our intentions and harvest our our ability to manifest reality in some really serious ways and 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 it's been hijacked from us so you're really giving everybody that alphabet level of understanding of themselves back yes exactly you you, you described it perfectly every word that i think that I type, that I speak out loud is programming our collective field. And that collective field will organize reality based upon like the majority of programming going into it. So you're exactly right in terms of the mainstream media having this stronghold on the majority and using language against us and then indoctrinating the populace for us to use language against ourselves without realizing it. So the gist of my work is to educate people as to how language is functioning to program our collective reality construct and then to get us to unify and get on the same page to start programming it for the more functional, lovely, abundant, harmonious, fun, etc. And have you ever gone into... I mean, just reading from your pop propaganda book, I saw uh, a few occult references, like what what the the, the Celtics uh, would do. Um, so I know that you, and of course, if you have been in conspiracy uh, circles for over twenty years now, then obviously you must have gotten into some word etymology. Um, uh, I don't know if that is part of your curriculum, but I have always loved when people break down how. In, in the average, the, the common sentences that we blurt out every day in our lives, how so many of those words and phrases have, th- have this amazing history of just really spell casting. And, and, uh, and I know people who have really been into the work that you, have, uh, you are a part of and have dedicated your life to. I know people who have been a part of that work for a long time. I cannot believe how much practice it takes to mind every word that comes out of your mouth once you start realizing what you have been casting upon yourself it's really incredible the relationship between the the language we use and and the lives that we lead absolutely and that's why it's so helpful to have community to support us right to have other people who are clued in to you know these languaging hacks and and these spells and and all of it because we all have blind spots and then once we catch on to it we learn rather quickly etymology is absolutely part of my curriculum and i teach my students to look up as many words as possible because there are words that we learn through osmosis but how many of them have we actually looked up and when we look up the roots it's often shocking to see what they really mean and those you know those older definitions even though we might not be using them consciously are still programming our reality 
accordingly. So, you know, I'm writing a book right now and, you know, I'm, I'm in the final stages and I spend so much time like looking up the etymology, like, let me double check this word. Let me double check this word um, just to keep it really clean. Can you, do you have any off the top of your head you can give examples to the audience of, because I, I wish I had right now. I've heard these, I've read um, blog posts about uh, just really commonly used words and, and where they come from and, and, and what they reflect. Uh, anything that you can uh, pull off the top of your head? So the two that are popping to mind share the etymology means to violently divide. So violently divide. So- violently divide. And think of our social media. You know, be sure to hit the, you know, be sure to like, be sure to share. Right. And we wonder why our populace is so divided. And then the one that, you know, every conspiracy, you know, researcher points to is government, which means mind control. It's true. It's just it's just amazing. I, I, I that is one thing. You know, I wish I had thought of this, Danny, because I I would have loved to spend at least five to ten minutes right now. of You just rattling off words. Maybe next time you come on, we do a whole etymology night. Okay, that'd be fun. I'd love that. Oh, that would be so fun. Those two alone, I didn't know share. I thought I, I didn't know either. So, someone sent that to me a year ago, and it, it just completely rocked my world because then I'm just reflecting on how often I use that word and how I'm perving my own reality construct and our collective reality construct every time I utter it. So how, so how would you get around share? Because it, it seems like such a... It, for us, we, we grow up, and it, it's a very diplomatic and, and very uh, nice way of, of, of dealing with people. Share some of what you have, being friendly. But I didn't know that violence was part of the, the, the root. I know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the process of transmuting this one. It's, you know, invite your friends in on this one. You know. Partake. Partake. Yeah, partake, partake in this. Have some of this with me. Partake um, in some of this melon, Danny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, that's going to be a hard one for me to break, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, just decide that it's easy. Just decide it's going to be really easy for me to break this one and then share with me what grand solution drops in. Got Yeah, see. Well, we're, see and we're, I just did it. I just said share with me. I know. <laughs> I was just going to say, I didn't know if that was just like you were having making a joke or it's just hard to break, I tell you. <laughs> It's exactly. It takes a lot of awareness. Wow! Wow! Now, as far as contemporary, uh, contemporary uh, examples of propaganda, uh, you are in a in a, a very valuable fight against what we're all really. I mean, there's it's a war that we're embattled in right now, and you're you're playing a very important role in in doubling down and creating new opportunities for people to get educated outside of what you said, what you very rightly described it as being an indoctrination system. And um, I, I have to imagine that you have to pay attention to the media at least lightly to bring in new examples of how media and those who are controlling the strings behind them writing the messaging and all that are trying to manipulate people um, emotionally. Do you have any contemporary examples and uh, things that you've been paying attention to? I do. I pulled a few examples for the show and to be perfectly honest, I go in and out of paying attention because it hurts my heart. Like, and sometimes I just get so frustrated and so angry. And I know Loosh collection is a big part of what's happening Mm. behind the scenes. So, you know, I go in and out, I take big breaks. Um, and I came back and did a little research 
so that I could have something um, that you and I and, and your audience could play with together. Okay, so uh, now it's, you said to share screen. Do I just share the screen that you're on right now? Let me see so, there. Okay, it said host disabled. Okay, so now you're sharing your screen? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm ladies and gentlemen, this is not Danny's fault. I just am still learning Zoom, so you please, you have to, you have to just go easy on me. So, so I think if you click participants mm -hmm. and my name comes up, there will be an option next to it that says share, share screen. Wait a second, or hold on. Make, make host? If you make me host, I promise I'll be very responsible. Go ahead. With it. Go ahead. We're done sharing. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, Be a host. All right. So sharing the screen. Let's see what my options are. Okay. So I knew that I was coming on um, Sunday. So oh, Sunday, I, I cleared the day to do research on this. Let's see. No one needs to see what's going on in the background here. And it was kind of shocking how easy it was to find um this stuff is everywhere all right stand by yes. here we go okay so this was in and i looked in places where i didn't think you would necessarily be looking so this was on vice news can you see this frank yes i can cool okay so the um the headline pure cruelty florida is stepping up its war on trans people so, so that's the headline right now. Pretty, pretty incendiary. Um, and then the very first sentence is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis launched a full-scale attack on <laughs> access to transgender health care in his state. Wow, full-scale attack. Wow. Full-scale full attack. And what I find particularly notable about this is um, the narcissism of the identitarian movement and the narcissism that's involved where everything that we don't like is a deliberate attack on us, mm. right? Where we're like those who are choosing to ascribe to these ideologies and these identitarian values will, will choose to place themselves front and center in everyone's story. So it's not that Governor DeSantis is, is passing laws, you know, so that taxpayers aren't paying for specific healthcare choices or to protect children who aren't legally allowed to drink or get tattoos, let alone make such permanent decisions, but that it's a full-scale attack on trans people. You know, Danny, I, when I, when I'm, uh, sometimes I'm listening to talk radio at night, and uh, the only thing I hate about listening to talk radio these days is that I have to perfectly time when to come back from a, a break because I cannot listen to any of the news briefs. It is incredible how across every radio station in this country when they do a news brief and even if they're just talking about something that's pretty mundane that happened in congress it is always and you can hear it it is always presented in the standpoint from uh even if the dem if the democrats the democrat party makes some sort of a mistake or they flubbed something or whatever it's not talking about how uh, an idea they had was had caused harm or did not did not make the the grade somewhere or whatever it was about oh uh, it, it always sounds like oh no those republicans are are, are gaining on us and the th this could really help the republicans it, it's it's so crazy to hear how everything is about there's an attack on us 
And not that I care about Republicans winning one thing or another, but you can just tell what the teams are and what the plot summary of everything is, what the, who, who the good guys and the bad guys are. Because when the good guys make mistakes that cause damage, that, that, that completely impoverish people, that kill people overseas, whatever the hell it is, it was done for the right reasons. But, it, but if, if, it, if it turns out that it, it went south, it's really bad because the evil political opposition here at home may get a few more seats in, the, in Congress. That's, it, it's sick. It's completely sick, and it's so, like, over the charts, like, out of control in terms of the polarization, the us-them. Like, there's not even, you know, the appearances of being objective, of being neutral. Like, that's all been completely obliterated because they've created this narrative that Republicans are evil. And I don't understand how, how traditional journalists are going along with this and can sleep at night, you know, like that, yeah. that is, for me, that's cognitive dissonance, you know, that I don't understand how this is going on. And, you know, I did pull one of these examples. Um, it was, oh, was it this one? Hang on. You know what, I might not have pulled it, but it was just the partisan languaging has gotten so out of control where it, it's just not even relevant to the story, but they'll, they'll back it into that corner, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so just finishing up this, this particular example, we have, you know, this gender-affirming care, which I've never heard that phrase, but that's being utilized in this article. Um, and there, there are just no auspices of objectivity the one lawyer and journalist that they reference is clearly a trans person. <laughs> yeah. And, and they keep citing these tweets. Um, you know, we, we see the weaponized word pseudoscience in here. Debunked. Um, Debunked, too. They love that. They, oh, yeah, they love debunk. But I'm sure one of their, like, bought and paid for fact checkers. And I think these days, if something's fact checked, then we know that it's true. <laughs> yes. That's really what it is. It, 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 it's actually uh, as basic as things like movie reviews, Danny. If, if there is a movie that gets released these days that gets really uh, critically panned, I know that it's probably worth watching. Yeah, it's just upside down clown world. Like it's, you know, I, I teach my students about inversions and it's a super inversion. Like if they say black, you know, it's white. If they say up, you know, it's down. Hmm. Um, so this one we have, you know, this is CNN. Uh, and this went out in their newsletter, so th they're not claiming that it's an editorial, which I find odd because they're saying they keep calling Zelensky a hero. They can't not mention Trump, even when he has nothing to do with the story. So the way they back it in on this one, Zelensky, the president of a smaller country who wouldn't dig up dirt on Joe Biden for Donald Trump. <laughs> And then they jump in again with a Trump comparison while Trump used social media to beat down opponents like a bully and chip away at confidence. Like, this is atrocious. I don't see how this passes as journalism. It's not. And then they tell us that he deserves on praise. <laughs> yes. And, and of course, $100 billion that we don't have, Danny. That's what they need. That makes everything yeah. better. Like, we have people here starving, mothers who don't have formula for their kids, but let's just send them weapons while we disarm our own country. Great, great idea. No, you're, you're, you're right on, you're right, right on with that one. And, and it's funny, I love that you, you 
picked up these two articles there that are so much in the way that we pick up on the uh, the slanted writing. Um, I, I love doing things like that, and I'm I'm glad that you are are out there and bringing this into the fold of how you're you're educating people now. If you're you, you're so well adept at noticing manipulation of public consciousness, what do you fear we're being dragged toward right now? Obviously, you represent a um, a, a faction of the United States that is growing. There are people who understand what is coming for us. They understand that we have more power than we're being told. And we're being proactive about disassociating ourselves and divesting from the system. That is always going to be a positive we have going toward us. But we are talking about, and I know you follow the occult lines of thinking here, this is a thousand plus year old death cult that we're up against that has a lot invested in this con. So what, what, what do you think that we're being dragged toward uh, that we, we may have to just prepare for, um, for acting and, and fighting on the inside of the system? Okay, to be clear, I, I know we've already won. We're just playing it out you know, in a, in a denser reality. And I don't think that they have a single leg to stand on or they wouldn't have to stoop to such low vibe tactics as lying as censor you know like the more they censor me i'm like good the the light must be winning um so so to be clear and we know their plan is you know it's a combination of genocide and a transhumanist enslavement state where everyone is you know living this digital life We, we own nothing and we love it um you know they want to inject people with their surveillance technology and you know their murder machines and god knows you know i think they're injecting people with various programs i think they're trying a lot of different ops right now through the access that they got through the injections you know i've done a lot of research on santa fe institute and lifeboat foundation and that looks like a post-extinction transhumanist plan where like they're tricking a lot of people into helping to genocide the rest of us and then putting i think ultimately that'll go into like another kind of simulated transhumanist virtual world you know i think they want to get us off of real tangible material reality and instead you know experience life through digital experiences Mm. it's also dystopian and horrible and i'm just so excited that they're failing miserably and none of it is working was lifeboat foundation was jeffrey epstein on the advisory board of that oh yeah because i I remember talking about lifeboat and they had was that the company, the, the, the foundation that is also linked to this very odd, um, this very odd, almost like a construction site that helped you build underground bunkers? Yes, that's a big part of what they're doing. And a lot of the people involved are tied in to like the intellectual dark web, um, Daniel Schmachtenberger, Brett Weinstein, Tristan Harris, a lot of like Joe Rogan adjacent people in the tech conversations. Hmm. I remember that coming up on that. I had uh, somebody who uh, writes and researches for the show from time to time. They sent it to me years ago. They said, hey, listen, he's on the advisory board of this, and take a look. Doesn't this look like the same kind of company he would have gotten to build something underneath that weird temple? You know, did they go straight down? Yeah, wow. Well, Danny, listen, you certainly know the time of day. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is not surface-level stuff. We know you do your digging. I, I'm, it's This is great. Let us know. Um, what are you doing outside? You said you're working on another book. I got your website on the on the um, on the screen right now, DannyKatz.com. 
there's things that they can buy there, things you've published in the past, but do you do uh, podcasts, web, uh, broadcasts? What do you do that people can follow in the, uh, the coming weeks that we uh, maybe have you back on again? Thanks, Frank. Thanks for asking. Yes, I have two podcasts. One is called Word Up with Danny Katz. The other one I do with Emily Moyer, which is deep, deep, deep conspiracy. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I also do quantum languaging consulting with organizations. I'm teaching a language of healing webinar Monday, June 13th. It will be recorded for anyone who can't be there. And that is um, an 11 module system of reprogramming the body for optimal health and well-being. This is incredible. I'm, I'm so happy to have had you on uh, tonight, Danny. I, I think we can go on uh, so many different things. And now I know where we can go next. I would love to have you back maybe maybe in July at some point, and I would love to do a night of just mind-blowing etymology did-you-knows. And by then, of course, we'll have a few more weeks of current events that have played out to see wh where we are as far as positioning on the chessboard at that point. But very inspirational. Love that kind of thinking. We've already won. we just got to play this out. Dense reality indeed. But uh, leave, leave everybody with a, with a few closing words, and, and uh, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Frank. It was super fun. I'm happy to come back. I want to remind everyone that every word matters, that we are sovereign, empowered beings, and that we are not inheritors of a default reality construct that the powers that were decide to give to us. We get to create the reality that we want. We get to decide how this goes. And the more that we take action and the more that we embody this agency, then the quicker we get to the other side and we get to create something newer and better together. I'm, I am looking forward to that work, Danny. It's it's great to know people like you are out there kicking ass and uh, taking names. There's, there's a lot of us out there and uh, I'm glad that I, I got to introduce you to a few more. So have a wonderful evening. I'll talk to you off air and uh, uh, and and hey, like I said, th this is all very cosmic. This is all very law of attraction right here. The Justin Polgar, yes, cacao, you. I mean, l look at how this stuff just works effortlessly, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Truly. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Danny Katz. Thanks so much, Frank. Okay. DannyKatz.com, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, It's been a wonderful time so far tonight. We're going to take a little bit of a break. It's the top of the hour. When we come back, your super chats, some calls, a beaver post, and, um, and yes, yes, we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Thank you. 
now entering quite frankly 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 Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly, how dare you? Okay. I don't think if I, I think I mentioned it last night for a, a little bit, um, but this weekend, one morning this weekend, we're doing uh, maybe about four or five good solid hours of cleaning, rearranging, rearranging all the art on the walls in here, outside, inside. I will see if there's a new configuration for the desk. A new configuration, perhaps. I don't know, but I'm a. Uh, this place needed a deep cleaning, and I cannot wait to do it. Thank you, guys and gals, for hanging out with us. That was a... I really had a great time with that call with Danny Katz. All right, let's go to some Super Chats and see what everybody's doing. Hello to everybody in the jacuzzi over there on Theta. Hello to everybody on Rockfin. A couple dozen amazing people just hanging out, doing their thing, stretching their legs. On, quite frankly, superchat.com. Com. Citizen Chuck says, I always cringe when someone offers to share something with me. The use of share became prevalent in the 1980s and followed a change in societal ethos from individual self-reliance to dependency on others and the government. The word share became prevalent in the, war- in the 1980s? Nobody was using it commonly before the 1980s? Really? Is that really true? Ill discourse. Let's see here. Uh, Ill discourse, that is Dan from Virginia, says, Sean King Cracker wanted me to ask you if Fapper Willis was still coming on the show this summer. Fapper Willis. Who's Fapper Willis? I don't remember. I'm only I'm only booked until the first uh, the first week in July, and yeah, nobody named Fapper is on. Revolution two hours ago said once more I'll be at sporting uh, a sporting event tonight and unable to listen. Um, so I will listen tomorrow. I am sure I had stuff to say about yesterday, but I've forgotten now. So I'll just say keep up the great work. And I placed my inaugural order with Secret Nature. I hope you enjoy it, Rev. And let me know what you think about it, too. 
Erica Berica says, Hi, Frank. My husband and I have been listening to your show since 2019. Wasn't that a great year, Erica? Was it a wonderful year? We rarely miss an episode, and we just love you. Can you please wish him a belated birthday? His name is Mark, also known as Long Jeans. Thanks for all you do, Long Jeans. Mark, happy birthday, my man. I have, I'm so happy that you and Erica have been enjoying the show for a few years now, and I pray that your birthday was very enjoyable and uh, make it a good year. Next birthday will be here before you know it, and I'll be able to give you a shout-out on the birthday. Erica, you have to just email me the day before, okay? Make the sub subject line flashy. Let's see. Okay. Well, there's more coming in, but we'll just get to the, the pilled now and just see what everybody's doing on Foxhole. Quite frankly, TV is back up and running, so that was uh, troubleshooted. Trouble shot. C. Blanche says, sup. Sean the Baker says, Frankie Bones, please let the guy who tragically lost his daughter know his fam is in our prayers. I received so much, um, so many emails that way, um, conveying those thoughts, conveying those thoughts and, um, and, and really just being, it, it took a lot of people, it really took a lot of people for a ride, emotional ride last night. Just the way it is on this show, these things happen and you just you roll with it. And um, I thought about that all night. I did too. I have more on that. I actually, I have a, an email here I want to read on that. One of many that came in. But let me do this first. Frank Staint says, thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. 1776. He swooped in. He said, oh, I found what, what, what was wrong. He texted me. So I'll let you know afterwards. So that is all cleared up. Enjoy yourself on QuiteFrankly.tv. Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. C. Blanche, thank you. And then, of course, thanks, Frank. Salute. Okay, so I got this. I got this email here I'd like to, uh, I'd like to bring up. It says, hello there, Frank. Listening to Monday Night's show gave me hope. I will share this one, uh, this one about my eldest daughter who lives with her father at the moment. You once wished her, uh, Ethan, a happy birthday. You were confused at my language in the email. She was always a tomboy, tall, tough, very intelligent girl, and a social butterfly. Could get a whole carriage on the tube, a London subway, laughing and talking to one another until high school. First year was okay. Attempts to pick on her by all the in-crowd failed due to her metaphorical broad shoulders and her father's quick wit. Year two is when the anxiety and the self-doubt began, encouraged by teachers. At 13, she came out as bisexual to me. I think she expected a dramatic response to this revelation, but I replied, welcome to the club. As her father and I had been together for 16 years, this was unbeknownst to her. Kids don't need to have that rammed down their throat. I explained how I was a fag hag in the late 1990s when gay people were still discriminated against. After a traumatic breakup of our family, she began talking online, uh, an online LGBTQRST chat rooms and joined the Fusion Club for LGBTQRST children. I feel this was encouraged by the school. At one point, she was serious about full surgery, hormones, etc. 
I'm glad she, does, she doesn't live with me because I feel my views would have pushed her further into rebellion. Since starting therapy with a based therapist, she no longer wants the therapy, the, the hormone therapy and the surgery. I'm grateful to God that she's begun working and socializing offline lately, and she's still here. My daughter had three stints in the hospital with attempts. I guess that's suicide attempts. I totally agree with the idea that social media and injecting fragments of DNA from the opposite sex work against them. These chat rooms, they tell each other how to overdose enough to get hospitalized but not to die. How to self-harm and try to outdo one another on how transphobic their parents are. I was reached out to by a friend whose son is confused. I was blunt and told her the LGBTQRST community is an easily offended cult. Like you, I have a baby girl, unvaxxed, and will be homeschooling. All my love, Anastasia. Now... There is so much there to unpack. First of all, the discrimination thing. Now, I've been discriminated against and ostracized in my life because of my father, my father being gay. And this was when he wasn't, he wasn't even out. You know, I'm talking back when he wasn't even out. It's just, you know, he was the one directing school plays, choreographing things, a flamboyant guy. You've all met him before. It's very hard to grow up proud of having the parents that you have and then having other kids, some that you thought were your friends too, making fun of your father, making fun of you behind your back, catching them on inside jokes that you realize that they had made about you, being ostracized from baseball team. I mean, it's a, it's a big reason why I stopped playing town league baseball because I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And then, you know, you go through high school like I did, barely even mentioned my father barely even mentioned I didn't I don't think I brought up my father to any of the friends I made in high school which was outside of my town more than a handful of times just figured it, this would be a, a retreat from all that stuff that I had to deal with and um, so I know what it feels like to be ostracized and discriminated against and, and I'm not even gay so I'm never I never I am always empathetic to people who are going through hard times. I do not take this shit lightly. What's going on? This is, this is not about picking on someone who's weak and defenseless. It's never about that. But then again, there are not enough people out there who are willing to watch a show like this long enough to actually get that nuance and let it sink in. You guys do, of course, but we're talking about changing minds. It's very, very hard to get that kind of shit across. Because then imagine, if you will, some of those same bastards who like to make people like me feel uncomfortable growing up, they all turned into snarky Democrat zombies who, who then categorized people like me as bigots and phobic retrograde types, okay? That's, that's the real insult to injury there. That, that really burns me. But still, here we are. Now... I don't want gay people to be discriminated against. I don't want anybody to be discriminated against. Not those who are, are, are disabled. I, I don't like when able-bodied heterosexual kids are discriminated against just because group politics are, is horrible. Children are horrible to each other. They have the, at least the potential to be absolutely horrible together to, to, uh, to each other. You all know it. I mean, I'm... I think about this all the time. 
when I look at Aurora, you know, running up to children that she sees out in public and just so excited to see other people and chasing them around and squealing with delight, uh, you know, after a few minutes wants to give everybody a hug. I'm like, oh man, I just, I, I know that the world is going to break her heart. I know the world, eventually the world's going to break her heart. The, the point is, how do you prepare somebody to be able to keep that heart intact as they walk through the world? Now, modern political, the modern political ethos, PC culture, whatever the hell you want, some people out there have their minds in the right place. Other people know that they're just destroying society and they like that. They need to do that. But um, we are not preparing anybody for life as a fully functional adult in a world that is full of chaos, that is full of factors you cannot account for, that is full of people who don't want to live the way you do, no matter what. Cultures that do not want to change and won't change. So it's, um, it, it's a crash course. We're on a crash course here, and it's... Um, that's what I see really embedded deeply in what's going on with the, the, the gay pride nonsense. And it is nonsense. You should have pride in being a human being. You should have pride in being a strong person with ambition. However you get off in your private life should just... I don't want to know about your, heteros your heterosexual habits. Don't want to know about that either. So that just really burns me. And I don't want to see discrimination against anybody. I don't think anybody out there really does either. But I'll tell you something. On the other hand, their lifestyles have been weaponized. That's where we are right now. And their social status, LGBTQ Incorporated, their social status has been artificially inflated. And it's all serving a very destructive purpose. So where do you go? Anything done to correct this will be seen as oppressive some kind of a theocratic takeover you can already see it right now i don't know where um where uh where it's happening but the media the last couple of weeks who want to talk about propaganda they have been floating this term christian nationalism that's on the rise when it's really just a pretty diverse front of people who feel absolutely um suffocated by the current political climate the censorship, and all that other shit that's going on in this country right now. It's not about Christian nationalism. I know plenty of atheists that don't like what's happening in this country coming from the left. What they see going on with, again, the military-industrial complex and this coordination across all these gigantic corporations that push this de degrading nonsense that does not help anybody, including, chief among them, gay people. Because you're, you're given some ridiculous strip club catwalk version of what your life should be you're given a, a a bunch of tenants that is indefensible when it comes to children and education and and surgery and all that stuff and and it's so obnoxious that people are just going to start they just can't fucking stand it anymore you're going to want to eventually put yourself back into a closet so this is what they do they're they're sacrificing people and they don't care. So my question there is, where's the line? I mean, where is the line that should have never been crossed? Where was it? Because there's a large dis distance between, oh, yeah, I have a gay friend. And it's not, it's, you know, it's not for me, but who cares? There's a big difference between, I have a gay friend. Who cares? 
Yeah, they're out there. And you get on with life and, and there's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah, I, I've seen Broadway before. There's a difference between that and drag your kids to pride. Those, those, uh, those events that people have been exposing lately. And the pediatricians and the psychiatrists hacking off children's testicles. There's a big, big, big gap between those two. So where do we, where was the line? Where was the line? I don't know. Because people should be able to work a job without discrimination, you know, especially if they're just showing up and doing a job. If someone shows up dressed in drag, you're fired. That's ridiculous. You make my my uh, business look terrible, you're fired. I don't care who the hell you are. Social stigmas, whatever. I mean, the current system is is supposedly progressive, right? And all and all this happened, they say, well, we're, we're removing social stigmas. Well, if this is as progressive as it gets, ladies and gentlemen, all they do is create social social stigmas. All they do is create social stigmas. Now, it's a, it's a stigma if you're white, straight, conservative, uh, uh, Christian. There's, it, it doesn't matter. There's, they've created the progressive stack, if you don't know about that. Oh, you want to see the progressive stack at work? Go and look at Jean-Pierre whoever, the new uh, press secretary over there at the White House, the black lesbian that they, that, they, um, that they dubbed to replace the Ginger Goebbels. And why? I'll tell you why. Today she came out. Today she came out and she said that something like we're in the best we're no the the historically the economy is in the best position it's been in and that we are in a perfect position to take on the inflation now the ones who caused it are in the perfect position to take on I guess they are right because all they have to do is do the opposite of what they've been doing but the opposite of what they would they've been doing would actually help domestic financial sovereignty and what they really want is a one world super state so I don't think how that's going to happen but the crazy thing is that the more blatant the lies watch how they change the messengers even Ginger Goebbels couldn't go out there and say that so they sent out the lesbian the black lesbian to say that everything was historically great and we're in a great position to tackle inflation it's an obvious horseshit. that's the progressive stack they went one up hoping that the lie could be protected by the inability for society to actually criticize the messenger. And and that's really where we are right now with everything else. Everything else. You want to talk about a society, we should be removing social stigmas. You have created a new caste, a new, new, new system of stigmas. So it's an impossible task. As horrific as war is, I wish that we were fighting a conventional war with the Bolsheviks because the mind war shit, this is hopeless. This is hopeless. Okay. um, Now I want to read you a little bit on propaganda. This is from an old Beaver post on 8chan. You don't know the Beaver posts? Well, welcome to the internet. Now you know them. Here's on propaganda since it's been a big topic here tonight. Three quick segments. This is from July 5th, 2016. The Beaver says, Propaganda is not merely a useful tool, but a necessity in a functional nation. What do you mean by that? Propaganda has become a dark word associated with repression, 
disinformation, and totalitarianism. In fact, our government will use this as a tool. Enemy propaganda is presented as it is propaganda. Neutral information is also called propaganda. However, the government's propaganda will be given more pleasant names, such as journalism or public service announcements. In the end, they are all the same thing, propaganda. Yet the idea that propaganda is a necessarily bad thing is wrong. As explained before, the leading of a nation is beyond the grasp of the common man, and not always through intellectual limitations, but merely sometimes through motivation. An individual only has so much time in his day, and depending on his situation, political activity may not be possible. The common man should not be expected to keep himself well informed on all political events. That is the duty of the politician. However, for a nation to function, the aims of its citizens must be in line with those of the leadership, and this can only be achieved if the citizens have some knowledge of political issues. This is where propaganda comes in. Good propaganda does not need to lie. In fact, it must be telling the truth. If the propaganda lies, the citizen will find out sooner or later, and there, the propagandist lies, I should say. The citizenship will find out sooner or later, and their trust in the government will be severely undermined, which in turn will make all future propaganda ineffective. No, the aim of propaganda should not be to disinform the citizen, but to inform it. It is meant to break down complex political issues into an easy-to-understand-and-memorize format fit for the proletariat not the intelligentsia, but the proletariat. The more intelligent members of society will be able to understand the basics of a political issue without the aid of propaganda, and so it should not be targeted to them. Hence, propaganda should aim at being simple, simple in that it should be easy to remember, simple in that it should not be morally ambiguous, simple in that it should be easy to convey it quickly to as many people as possible. Once that is achieved, it must be repeated as often as possible to make sure it enters the public's consciousness. Furthermore, a government should have as few propaganda campaigns at once as possible. The more messages being sent to the populace, the less likely they are able to remember any of it. That in itself explains why we go into cycles where it is everybody fix fixates on guns, everybody fixates on gay stuff, everybody fixates on, uh, on, on the climate, then everybody fixates on healthcare. We haven't done that one in a while. It's it just, we are always focusing on one thing at a time, but it's cyclical. And of course, it's not based in truth like the beaver is talking about how it should be. In the end, if propaganda is done well, not only would it allow better management of the nation as the citizenship will be better informed of the leadership's intentions, but it also increases the general contentment as people will now understand the measures taken by their government. If it is not done well, it will sow distrust and greatly hinder the nation's potential. What is important to remember, however, is that the idea that propaganda is wrong is in itself wrong. If our aim is to better our society and to build better nations, then we must learn to use propaganda properly. It is the only way to gain the people's approval and thus their collaboration. And only once it is achieved can change finally happen. A little bit more of a nuanced approach to propaganda. I have always looked at propaganda as a indifferent, from a stoic standpoint, the good, the bad, the indifferent, it's an indifferent thing. It's a tool. How are you going to use the tool? Much like a gun. How are you going to use it? Are you going to defend somebody? 
are you going to attack somebody? So uh, it's interesting in that respect. Of course, it has a negative connotation because we are just bombarded with evil, evil, uh, broken logic and, um, and very destructive ideas and notions, which is why we are where we are right now. So it's, it's very hard to give um, a tip of the cap when we've been so badly damaged by people who mean to harm us. But it's 8.23. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, going to get to your calls, your super chats, if there's any left. And then we're going to get to our badass of the night. So don't go anywhere. This one has been a great time. The shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task, and one which we all recognize as the correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do. Because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal. An absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. but he doesn't want to hurt you and your family. Hillary and Obama want to make you poor and pathetic. We have all their white papers. They hate you. They hate prosperity. They hate God. They hate children. And goddamn them to hell. I, I, we're going to find the lever to beat these people, and they're, they're going to be beaten. Look at her shark face. Have a look at her with that demon face. That's a freaking demon. We're going to have President Linda Blair, people. And I'm not going to go along with it! Excuse me. Red? It? Red? It? Reddit? Get it? Ah! Have it a quite frankly duck TV. Click on the Reddit logo. Join us. Engage in discussion topics. Share your favorite clips. Watch your favorite clips. You don't have a Reddit. Well, get signed up. For all them juicy deets, visit quitefrankly.tv. Okay. Hey, I have to do something else as well. Um, I know it's already Tuesday, but I'm just going to say that um, here is a fundraiser. It's a GoFundMe. I know we were talking last night. Let's see here. I, I was talking with Timothy Gordon on Friday night during our book club 
and he brought this up at the end, and I want to bring it up here with the larger audience because there's only a specialized audience that listens during the book club. And this is his godson, I, I believe his his nephew, cousin slash nephew. He said his uh, cousin's pretty much like his brother, so it's his nephew. I believe he said it was his godson. Either way, his nephew Theo has been diagnosed with leukemia, and the family is raising some money on GoFundMe. This is Timothy Gordon's family. So they say here, Theo. They say Theo is bright, bright just not in his wit and quick learning. As soon as he can, uh, as soon as he could talk, but bright and that he truly fills up any space that he is in with energy and charisma. From the moment he was born, he's been expanding the joy of our family through what was possible in our lives. His love, the love for them, for him, knows no bounds. And he is, they say that he's in a really good position to be able to beat this. I'm happy to hear about that. But this is Theo Curvers, GoFundMe. I'm gonna put this in the link, the the link below uh, in in the description this week, but I'm also going to donate all of the, again, uh, this week, all of the, quite frankly, superchat.com super chats to this GoFundMe, and I'll, I'll, I'll match the first couple hundred dollars. So anybody out there that is, is looking to say something on the show and want to send a super chat, just remember everything from yesterday until the end of the week will go to Theo's GoFundMe and he's already been able to garner a lot of really amazing support. I'm, I'm glad to see that this has been passed around. And I told Tim that I would, I'd let everybody know because we have a very generous audience. And um, especially when it comes to a, a child, I just, I just want them all to be happy and healthy and not having to deal with this. So. There you have it. If you want the link yourself, you get in touch with me. I'll send it to you. But just know that you can send a super chat at the quite frankly quite frankly superchat.com anytime this week, and it'll be sent off at the end of the week. And I'd love to love to put a smile on the family's face. So thank you in advance. All right, we're gonna open up the lines for a few minutes. It's 8:29. Where the hell is my Skype? The Skype is up. The number is up, and I'm going to get into the Super Chats real quick. Let me see. Frank, Frankie Bones, please let the guy who tragically... Oh, wait, we had that before. Frank, your Trump troll doll has taken a nasty spill. He needs to get... Oh, damn. Why didn't anybody tell me? Well, well, uh, Frank Stank did. Sorry, Trump troll... We got to figure out a better place for Trump to hang out. Anybody ever see this one? Look at that golden mane. Boom. I I haven't had a troll in so long. This one doesn't have the gem on the stomach, of course. I forgot who sent this to me. We'll see how this whole area figures. Don't be surprised if nothing changes. Sean Joe, thank you. Thank you, C. Blanche. Thank you, everybody. Sumter says, never feel hopeless. More coming to their senses every day. We are doing this. Yes. Yes. It's just so much more tedious when people there are no there are no um I guess there are there are uniforms. <laughs> I guess you could pick these people out. You could pick out the way that they walk, the gait recognition. Yeah. Yeah. 
The illusion of hopelessness, I should have said. Anyway, 123SKG, the enemy is busy destroying itself by pushing agendas to an absurd level. Yeah, propaganda, propaganda that has no basis in reality or truth. That's why it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work. It's not functional. Robert Sarns, thank you so much. Cautious Observer, please donate these gold pills to Theo. I know it's not much, but I do what I can. Well, Cautious Observer, I will try to figure out what you gave me, and I will try to see what the exchange rate on that is. Um, I don't know if you can just maybe match what you just did to PayPal, and that would be easier. I don't know. Um, anyway, I really appreciate it, Cautious. I'll, I'll figure something out. Okay, let's go to... Hold on a second. Boom, boom, boom. Good. Let's go to the calls. Hey, what's going on, Rick Carmen? Oh, Frank. Damn it, I got you. Yahoo. How are you? Listen, I, I loved your guest tonight, Lynn Cash. Um, she's obviously uh, on her uh, way back. She's uh, learning. What's that? Wonderful. Okay. Wait, 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 Rick, Rick, Rick. I really want to hear everything you're saying, but it's very muffled. So maybe just get a little bit farther away from the receiver and try again. So you said you're. She said you said that Danny's on her way back. On her way back. Is, is this better? That sounds a lot better. Please keep it right there. Okay, I'll do. We'll do. Uh, yeah, she's on her way back. She obviously got exposed to a lot of liberal indoctrination early on in her life, and she's woken up and, and, you know, she realizes what she's been exposed to, and I think that's wonderful. Um, But there's there's still work to be done, and I'm going to key in on one of the phrases she said early on in the interview, and that was the separation of church and state, okay, which exists nowhere in the Constitution, we know it was from Thomas Jefferson's notes, um, but it was one of the key buzz phrases that the liberals used to suggest that God does not exist in our country, which, if you, if you study early American history, God was the foundation of our country. Um, and the, the reason that they basically have a... Uh, what the Constitution says is that the state or the government shall select no particular religion, because at the time we had probably six variants of Christian uh, Christians, we had at least two variants of Catholics, and two variants of the Jewish religion. So they, were, they couldn't select one, they didn't want to select one, they wanted everyone to be able to practice their religion as they wanted. So the separation is the separation of church and state, not separation of state and uh, God and state. And that's uh, an important thing to remember. But I agree with her. It's ridiculous that our money says in God we trust because, let's face it, <laughs> God has nothing to do with the American dollar. Oh, I, you know, that's a wonderful way to end the call there, uh, Rick. He has absolutely nothing to do with the American dollar. And um, I'd, I'd love to see him turn over the tables of the money changers once again. But uh, thank you so much for this. It's a very, very cogent point. 
Very good. And my recommendation for her is a, a regular dose, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, hey, hopefully, hopefully. And as she said, if she was the one that turned uh, Justin Polgar onto my show, then she has, has to have been watching for at least a couple of years infrequently or who, who knows. But she's been out there to some point. Thanks again, Rick. It's great yep. to hear from you. Take care now. Yeah, uh, have a good one. Yes, yeah. We we um we talked about that um we talked about that quite a bit on this show. What separation of church and state? How it is um it's used today, and what its real intention is, and of course, what the the real founding of this country is about. Um, faith in 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 Christ is a huge, huge cornerstone of the American Union. It is. 100%. And yeah, there are a lot of different denominations. There are still a lot of different denominations here, but if we're talking about that, it is, has always been, and I, it wasn't important enough to stop and, and turn that into a debate here on the show, because we were, we had a, a very specific set of things we wanted to talk about, and I didn't want to create a road bump. And then again, if Danny were on and we had this conversation, then uh, as you can see, she'd probably be very open to, to hearing one thing or another about it. Now, um, in that respect, there were there are room for everybody. I mean, it, it was created, this, this union was created by people who were uh, largely men of faith, but um, it was not a union that was created to disallow those without faith. So there's that. And the main point was to be able to stop government and stop um, contemporary political whims from infecting churches. Not to be able to protect government from the whims of churches, because if our Constitution, our Constitution, as John Adams said, is a document that is only meaningful to a moral and religious people. Those are the only people who would care about the words written on that, that aging, yellowing piece of parchment enough to actually enact it and stick to it. And we have seen that it is definitely the other way around. The government has got inside the church. That is, there is no, there's no two way, there's no way of denying it. The government has gotten inside the church. That's just what it is. So, um, so yeah, that's a recurring topic on the show. Maybe we could do that with uh, Chris Ann Hall again one day. But... But so much more, so much more. I have a few rumble rants here I want to get to. First one is from Fredo Awakening talking about the Trump doll is down. We rescued him from the pit. Yes, we did. And then up farther up, of course, because rumble keeps jumping down because that these that they got to figure something out here. Selling the farm. It's Tuesday. When you think it's butter, wait, wait. When you think it's butter, pound the rumble, please. Butter. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Got you. Fred Awakening says you aren't broadcasting live on Foxhole. We fixed it. Thank you so much, everybody, for bringing that to our attention. Jason B. says John McCain died exactly 30 days to the minute. That hour, my favorite Anon, suggested he would. So perhaps he did receive justice. What are you talking? Is that one of those Q proofs? John McCain? I didn't know that. That that never uh I never got that. Okay. Let's see here. 
Cautious Observer says, please. Oh, wait, we did that before. All right, that's it. Over here to the calls, 914-595-6953 or on to the Discord. Who the hell's out there? We have a few more minutes before we do our badass of the night, which I know everybody is ready. Ready to see who it is. We did a beaver post. We did a beaver post. What else can we do? I had this one other thing that goes into what I had brought up before with that email that was sent to me about um, children and what they're up against. And I guess this kind of goes hand in hand. It's a post that I had found on Tumblr not too long ago. And a person had, uh, had, te- had put this out there. They said this. As a child, I used to stress myself out. I used to stress myself into breakdowns over the insubstantiality of the present, like the present time. I'd walk through a room and be overwhelmed with the instantaneousness of the transformation of the future to the past. Everything was a series of infinitesimally, infinitesimally short moments, like frames in a video, too small to be examined closely except through imagination or memory. I'd go to make a sandwich and be arrested with the knowledge that the time that the time was a war between anticipation and recollection and that no matter how much I tried to slow down and exist in the present as people say I would simply be drawing on one moment at the expense of the other I could acknowledge that I was buffering I was buttering bread but the first swipe of the knife was in the past the next was in the future, and the thoughtful pause with which I sought to fill the space in between was not truly slowing time or existing in the present, but merely occupying it with the substance of inaction. That's huge. That's huge. And, uh, and that's a big reason why I, I, popped this, I popped up, and one of the comments in there said, hey, this is one of the signs that mindfulness meditation might not be for you. Why it's not been for me either. The present has been something that is very, very hard for me to conceptualize. I know to uh, it's better for me to let go of time and just space out. And perhaps that's the real thing. That time is relative, and there really is no past and future. But if there is no past and future, why the hell? Why the hell are the people that you grew up with, your elders? Why are they not here? What had happened from the time that you were young? To the time that you are old? What is this? Does it not take time for you to become an infant and grow into an adult? What is that passage? What is that development span if not a passage of time or something that can be, I don't know, whatever the hell it is, it's, it's demarking. I, I mean, there's something going on there. Anyway, why do I bring this up? Why do I bring this up? Well, it really got me. I had a similar moment like this watching the girls run around on Memorial Day. Aurora and her cousin Charlie, they're only separated by nine months, and they were just, in, in, just enthralled by each other, having a, a wonderful time. And it's just, it was one of those things where I'm watching it. I had to step away from the grill just to, to look around the corner into the backyard just to watch them do nothing because I, I knew what that feeling was like to be that small and to be with your cousin or cousins on a, on a holiday and to and and anything that was even ridiculously mundane that you were doing was an, a huge adventure 
and you're you're just sque- you're so excited you can squeal for no reason just because you're with them and um just dealing with the subject matter matter that we're dealing with every day i can't tell you how many times i just i just say that i want to freeze aurora where she is with her boundless energy and her limitless happiness and her adorable <laughs> her her broken english where's the uh where's the <laughs> where's the uh, broccoli again where's the broccoli and broccoli your broccoli I just want her to say like that. You know, I think about, I, I get these emails and we, we exchange stories and we read what's going on with, with children right now. And yeah, you don't, you don't go into anything with fear. We're just going to have to walk through it and do it. And, um, but man, that's just. In the time that I spent even thinking those thoughts right now about Aurora, as you guys and gals at home think about, you have done this too. In the time that we spent just thinking about that, how I wanted to freeze her in time, that moment right there is already lost to the past, just barely out of reach, painfully out of reach. Who said that we don't come to this planet to learn some lessons? We need some Marcus Aurelius. That's what I'll get around to soon. We need some Marcus Aurelius again. That's what we need to calm us all down and relax. So that's that. You want to get to our badass of the night? It's time to go. So I'm ready to do some badassery. Uh, first, let me go to the, the calls. There's nobody in the calls unless the Skype is just screwing up again. But badass we must. Going forward. That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Yes, it is. And who is the badass tonight? Well, we opened up the show tonight in the grab bag with a story about the CIA and whether or not they were out there to kidnap or kill this man, Julian Assange. Tonight's badass, tonight's badass is Julian Assange, the son of anti-war advocates Assange showed an early aptitude for hacking. At 16, he formed a hacking group with two friends in Melbourne, calling themselves the International Subversives. Together, they successfully hacked into a number of high-profile targets, including the Pentagon, Citibank, Lockheed Martin, and several universities. In 1991, Australian Federal Police raided Assange's home, eventually charging him with 31 counts of hacking and related crimes. He pleaded guilty to 25 and was released with a fine because of his age and lack of malicious intent. Didn't know that. Two years later, Assange would cooperate with local law enforcement by providing technical assistance in prosecuting child pornographers. Assange studied programming, mathematics, and physics at Central Queensland University and Melbourne University, but never completed his degree. He made several contributions to open source software, including co-authoring the port scanner strobe and making bug fixes to PostGrey SQL. As early as 1999, Assange registered the domain leaks.org and warned of upcoming global surveillance. The Independent uh, quoted him in 1999 as saying, quote, Everyone's overseas phone calls are or may soon be tapped, transcribed, and archived in the bowels of an unaccountable foreign spy agency, end quote. Boy, oh boy. 
Assange and others started WikiLeaks in 2006, releasing a document that implicated a Somali political figure in an attempt to assassinate government officials. The group solicited similar leaks using a secure online drop box to protect whistleblowers and published information about corruption in the Arab world, Peru, Kenya, as well as the unrest in Tibet. WikiLeaks finally gained international attention in 2010 when U.S. Army intelligence analyst Bradley Manning used the website to leak the largest set of classified documents ever released, including 400,000 files worth of Afghan and Iraq war logs, hundreds of thousands of U.S. State Department cables, and particularly damning video of an airstrike in Baghdad, which WikiLeaks titled Collateral Murder. Time magazine readers reacted by voting him person of the year. In some home country, of, in his home country of Australia, Assange was awarded the Sydney Peace Foundation gold medal for peace with justice. A short time later, Swedish authorities opened a case against Assange over allegations of rape and sexual assault. Assange denied the allegations and the investigation was eventually dropped, but not before Assange sought asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London in 2012. WikiLeaks continued to publish classified documents including the Guantanamo Bay files, the Syria files, and emails from Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign chairman, John Podesta. That was the, the dump, ladies and, and gentlemen, that led us to the you-know-what gate. And it is so naked, it's unreal. In 2017, the embassy granted Assange Ecuadorian citizenship and attempted to appoint him to a diplomatic position at its embassy in Moscow, a move that was blocked by British authorities. Ecuador then withdrew their asylum in 2019 and released Assange into custody of British police. He was sentenced to 50 weeks in jail for breaching his previous bail arrangements. As of today, he remains in jail in the UK, awaiting possible extradition to the US to face espionage charges and a maximum 175-year jail sentence. The guy is a hero. And man, oh man, what a life, what a life lived. And there's so much in there. There's so much in there too. That Dropbox, let's not, let's not forget, there's, there, I, I could have gone on for a couple more pages here, me and John Carroll, quite frankly, writer. Uh, but remember, there is a gigantic uh, segment about that with, with Seth Rich. This guy pretty much signaled to the world that Seth Rich was murdered. He offered, I think, $20,000 reward for anybody that understood what happened to Seth Rich, who is, I guess, the Russians who hacked the DNC. I guess Seth Rich is the Russians who hacked the DNC. Anyway, let's take a call right here from, uh, hello? Hello? Oh, who's this? Is Is anybody out there? I don't hear anybody over there. Wait a second, ladies and gents. Wait a second. You guys there? I don't want to say who's who's calling in because it would be a, a bigger surprise to get this going, but there's no audio. It's Abe. Abe, quite frankly, producer Abe. And now the the camera just fell onto the ground and landed in the carpet and everything cut out. That was like a scene from the Blair Witch Project. What the hell just happened? Uh, anyway, I'll stay on for a few more moments to see what's... <laughs> to see, uh, to learn a little bit more about the demise 
of Abe Sinclair. I don't know where else we can go with that one. We can go over back to Swickley. We are living in the Matrix. He says, this is on the foxhole. We're living in the Matrix. I try not to think so hard about it. God bless everyone. Cautious observer says, why does everything taste like chicken? You're right. Let's try to figure that one out. Let's do it. Swickley also says, cheers, Frank. Turned 41 yesterday. Notice no mention of D-Day anywhere, not even at work. Hmm. I know. It's becoming less and less prevalent. You know, they once told us to remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Never forget it. Never forget Pearl Harbor. Well, as we all know from the last five years alone, there has been several Pearl Harbors, including January 6th, which was not only worse than Pearl Harbor and 9-11, but the greatest attack on American soil since the War of 1812. So how are we going to remember anything? But happy birthday to you, Swickley. Um, yes. Good times there. Good times indeed. Over to, quite frankly, superchat.com. Let's see if we have anything else popping. And we have some from Henry L. Henry says, for the Theo cause. Thank you so much, Henry. Henry's a, a great man. Linda Sem sent some money and a blessing. Let's take a call. Hello, who's this? Can you hear me this time, big buddy? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Let's see what we can do with this. It is Zoso Dude. Zoso Dude from the studio over there at Abe's Lair. What is going on, Zoso? I'm just checking in, my friend. It's been uh, a few days, and I guess about four or 5,000 miles since I saw you last. Where are you? Four or 5,000 miles. Let me see if I can get you on screen. I don't know where the hell you where you are. Oh, there you are. Perfect. I'm in the basement. So how has the weather been since leaving New York? Uh, I headed south, uh, surprised my mom, which was just incredible. Went all the way down into deep into Florida, Vero Beach, Tampa Bay, came back up, uh, wandered through Georgia and Tennessee, and then uh, wandered my way over to Mr. Sinclair's lair. And uh, after a week's suspension, just yesterday, I was able to stop start dropping videos again so well i've got about a week's worth of ketchup to uh to show everyone but i may go i'm i believe i'm going to go live tonight on uh, on uh what is it yentl tube susan's uh susan's lair well i was going to say are are you going live at uh at at, at abe's place are you guys going to co-host some after show it's tuesday i think i think uh well i'm going to i think i'm going to try to squeeze in like a uh an hour-long mystery ship or just just to catch my people up because everybody wondered you know you were broadcasting all the time and all of a sudden you're on this trip and you just stop broadcasting what the hell's wrong with you well hey all i'm saying is it's tuesday night and we don't have anything steady going on tuesdays after quite frankly just yet you guys are in the Ah. same room you should do an after show together there's a great idea right there just yeah you're already in the room don't go anywhere i'm getting off in six minutes Fabulous, fabulous. Hey, Matt, just wanted to thank you again for the opportunity. Really, really enjoyed hanging out there. I, I can't imagine why you want to 
change everything in that studio. It's the coolest studio. Oh, I've it's just been. it's just a deep cleaning. Trust me, it's I'm 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 very particular about the atmosphere we maintain, um, and I'm also you know cleanliness is next to godliness. So I just I want to be able to stay on top of that. But Zoso, you, you got to stop thanking me, man, because it, it was really. I'll tell you, I, the feedback I have gotten about how so many people enjoyed, loved that evening, I can't wait to do it again. So I thank you, and I hope that you and Abe do something nice and cozy over there soon. I'm, I'm getting, yeah, cheers. Cheers, my friends. Have a good one. Yes. Hey, I, I, uh, I have to tell you, Mrs. Zoe called me following that show, and she goes, what was with the last 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I like I, listen, like I told you outside when you were getting back on your bike, I'm glad you brought it up because if you bring, if a guest brings up something like that, at least I can react to it. I can't come into the studio. If I, if I come into the studio with, uh, with some ideas to talk about pubic hair for the night, I'd, I'd probably piss a lot of people off these days. But I can react to it just fine. <laughs> it was great. I loved every minute of it. I'm going to uh, get together with my brother Abe and come up with some uh, nifty ideas for this evening, but I just had to drop in and say, hey, man, well, while I had the opportunity. Thank you both, and I'll, and I'll talk to you guys soon, and, and uh, still happy travels, and I can't wait to see what happens uh, on the, the network later on. Oh, yes, I think we'll do. Uh, we will do just that. Great idea, Frank. Thanks All right, man. Ciao, ciao. Be well. See ya. There you go. Ladies Ooh. and gentlemen, did you just hear that? Coming up soon... On QuiteFrankly.tv, we just put together some Tuesday night programming, original stuff. They might be able to take some calls to answer things in the chat room. So if you're not on QuiteFrankly.tv just yet, then make sure you show up sometime in the next 15, 20 minutes. Give them some time to, to set things up and understand what they're doing. And whatever it is, it'll be fun. That's, um, that's the, the miraculous nature of the world we live in today. Everything we can complain about, it is only technology that allows us to so spontaneously do things like this and, and uh, pool together our, our resources and, and have a good time. So let me get to the rest of these Super Chats, and then I am on my way, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing going to stop me. Nothing's going to Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, Smee. Try to stop me. Shmee, get up off your ass. Okay. That's good. Here we have Cody just says, haven't been able to listen live lately due to the work, but I'll always love your show, man. Anyway, isn't Bradley Manning the weird tranny now we known as Chelsea? Take care, Frank. Well, obviously has a lot of problems because transitioned in prison, left prison, ran for office, I believe, in Virginia. I think has been hospitalized a couple of times. I don't know if there are suicide attempts there. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a strange situation. But as I said before, I'm not... Um, I'm... I, I don't take delight in calling people weirdos for things that they're suffering through. There's plenty of weirdos out there. This, I mean... I don't know. Yes, Chelsea... Bradley, I guess that's interchangeable now. Henry L., thank you. Pete F. says the most ironic accomplishment of the modern left was the etymologic, etymologic, Jesus, these, these names, the etymology. Etymology 
uh, linking the six-letter F-word to the word liberal, trying to... I hate how these are all split up. Trying to out it out in silently. Give me another second here. The most ironic accomplishment of the modern left was the etymology linking the six-letter F-word. What's that? Oh. Oh. Six-letter F-word to the word liberal. Try it out. In, uh, try it out silently. They are 100% interchangeable now. The 100% their fault. I gotcha. Jeez. Jeez. Citizen Chuck, part two, says, I was never able, I, 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 I guess I was never able to share my toys. I was told that I should play well with others. That way I related to others without surrendering my personal sovereignty and I respected others' property. Fine. I never liked forcing children to share anything with anybody. I don't like that. No, let her have a turn. No. I, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, not done with it. If you're not done with it, you're not done with it. Now, if you put a toy down and you obviously have no interest in it anymore and then someone comes along and picks up the toy that you are obviously not interested in but you suddenly want it back, maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. Maybe you can pull them aside Maybe there's something you can interject in that respect. But um, to be to be actively engaged in something and have something taken away to be given to someone else, no. No, that is, that is never going to be happening with me and Lauren. I know Lauren agrees with me on that one, too. That's come up in the past as well. She doesn't believe in the, you know, force them to share stuff. All right. Well, that's all I have for you, ladies and gents. Thank you to everybody that's watching across all of our wonderful platforms that we're on. Theta, Foxhole on QuiteBrinkly.tv. Get over there to see the after hours that just got produced before your eyes. Twitch, Rumble, YouTube, Rockfin. I had a wonderful night. I hope you did too. Thank you again and again and again. I'm going to release that scratching over there on Quite Frankly TV, and away we go. Thank you, ladies and gents. See you tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Cody, Henry L, Linda Sem, Pete F, Citizen Chuck, Ill Discourse, Rev Olution. Erica Berica. Thank you guys and gals. Tomorrow is another day. Thank you so much for tonight.
Shut up! 